Dr. Matthew Castro here at Central Church in Kyreville, Tennessee. I'm the adult ministries pastor. You are listening to the Church and Politics Equip class. It meets on Wednesday night at 6.15 p.m. in room 235. You are listening to Lesson 12, Biblical Manhood and Womanhood in the World. So the reason why I brought that up is because we're going to talk about um, Biblical Manhood and Womanhood in the World in the Workplace. So... Um, so asking some thoughts on, um, women running for election and having, being a CEO of different companies and stuff. Um, so, uh, let's, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get started. Uh, are there any prayer requests? Any prayer requests? Yes. Tomorrow I have, um, like, I don't know what it's called, a court hearing, something with my lawyer and the judge for an old child support. Oh. That we're going, I'm reopening, so I'm super nervous. Yeah. He said, don't be nervous. <laughs> Money that hadn't so been. Just pray at 9 a.m. tomorrow that I get so I think it's how it's supposed to be. Okay. We'll pray for that. Anything else? Okay, let me pray for us. Uh, dear Lord, we do uh, pray, Lord, for uh, the presidential election um, and just, Lord, uh, our politics and our government. And, um, Lord, we we pray, Lord, that uh, we would be ones who pray for our leaders, Lord. We pray, Lord, that they would uh, lead with character and honor, Lord. And, uh, Lord, I pray that they would uh, lead um, with uh, pursuing, um, pursuing you and in fear of you, Lord. And, uh, Lord, we uh, pray that your will will be done, uh, Lord, uh, through the leadership of our, of our state. Um, Lord, we, do, we pray for, for um, Deanna, Lord, and, and her uh, court case and uh, her meeting with her lawyer. Pray that you would give her uh, rest and, and just, uh, Lord, I pray that she would trust in you uh, with that situation, Lord. Pray that you would give her um, a gentle spirit as well uh, as it could be. Uh, difficult to, to go through that and can be frustrating as well. And pray, Lord, that you would just put her at ease. Lord, we pray for our time together. Pray that you help us to continue to think well and to think biblically about uh, manhood and womanhood, Lord. And we think in different contexts, um, Lord, we pray that we would uh, that we would follow your word. And uh, Lord, we pray that that would be our guiding light, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okie dokie. Um, so we talked about, um, any questions from last week? I know everyone slept, but any, any questions from last week in the church? Anything you wanted to ask? Um, if you use the Planning Center uh, site, um, I try, there's a few that I've, I haven't posted, but I, I posted last week's notes. So if you kind of left them or threw them away, they're, all, they're online, and uh, we try to keep the audio as well um, updated so that you can listen um, or you can share it with someone. Um, so we're going to talk about biblical manhood and womanhood in the world or in the workplace. And um, um, how many of you uh, mothers or grandmothers worked outside the home? Okay. Alrighty. Um. There has, I mean, obviously there's been a, a growing trend over the last several decades of more women working in the workplace and not necessarily being in the home. Um, 
And, um, and a part of that is, you know, again, as we talked about feminism a few weeks ago, that is a byproduct of the feminist movement um, and also the fight for equal pay where um, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, you get the same pay to, on the, the, if you're doing the same job, right? Um, and and we've see, we seen improvement in that area. It hasn't, obviously hasn't reached the exact equality on that issue, but there has been a, at least a progression or an evolution uh, and towards a positive side on that. Um, but let me, uh, there is a, a feminist uh, in the 1970s named Gloria Steinem, and um, she, uh, she, this is what she said. And again, this is very similar to stuff I've already kind of taught on second wave feminism, but she said, this is no simple reform. Talking about the women's liberation movement. It really is a revolution. Sex and race, because they are easy and visible differences, have been the primary ways of organizing human beings into superior or inferior groups and into the, the cheap labor on which the system still depends. We are talking about a society in which there will be no roles other than those chosen and those earned. Um, and the view, again, is that there is really no difference between the two sects. And when we talk about differences, it's actually used to create a superior group and an inferior group. And it's used for, uh, to, to use people or to use a group for, um, to, to, you know, to make them work at a cheaper, a cheaper uh, rate um, or to not provide rights to that group. And so when we use gender, it's used in a negative way or a way to discriminate is really what Gloria Stuff, uh, Stenham is saying. And again, like we've said about f- many times, God created men and women equal. Uh, they have the e- they're both created in the image of God. They both have equal value in the eyes of God. Um, but they are created with different roles and different dispositions and different strengths. Um, and again, I think from a biblical standpoint, it, it, to make the argument that women should get paid less than men for the same job, like that's not a biblical, there's no biblical argument for that, Okay. Um, that's not that's not right, right? Um, and anyone who makes that argument and says that's a biblical thing is just they're making it up. Okay, they're making it up. Um, but what we do see is that men, with a created with a disposition in the garden to to work and to protect and pr- provide, it's not un it, it's, it's 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 reasonable to expect that more men would work outside the home and more women would stay in the home based off the disposition that God created women to be nurturers and to cultivate life and to help uh, others flourish, right? So women are more prone to make the decision, I will stay at home with the children and you will go and work outside the home, right? Um, that is a fine decision. That's, that's fine to make those decisions. But if the wife made the decision, no, I am going to work outside the home, that's biblically okay as well, Okay. That is biblical. And we want to kind of talk more about that. Um, you know, and anyone remember the commercial? I think it was from like maybe early to mid-90s with Mia Hamm and Michael Jordan. It was a Nike commercial. And they sang the song, do I can do better. So they're like, Michael Jordan's playing soccer, and then Mia Hamm's like shooting basketball. And they're playing sports, and the argument is, is that I can do the same thing that you can do. Um, and really within, within society, uh, really since Gloria uh, Steinem in the second, uh, the second wave of feminism, 
we have gotten to a culture where the belief that men and women are, are different is actually taboo, taboo, right? To say that men and women are different in any way is actually taboo. It's sacred to say there is no difference whatsoever, right? This, so that's kind of become the cultural uh, view is that there is no difference between the two. And again, that's going against God's word. It's going against God's design. And uh, men and women are not the same. Uh, there is a difference. They are equal in the eyes of God. God created them. He created them in, uh, with his essence. He created them with, their, with his image. But he has created them with different dispositions. But, so they're equal in essence or equal in value, but they're different in roles. Okay? We've talked a lot about that. But I keep reminding you of that. And we just kind of think through different things. Like uh, I was uh, read a book uh, recently, uh, and then we're all adults here, so I can kind of talk a little bit about this. But even when you think of, of sex itself, okay, like there's so much differences, right? There's so much differences. Uh, the way that women view sex and the way that men view sex is different. It's different, right? Uh, the experience is different. The outcome is different, right? Women get pregnant, right? And, you know, there's a difference that, that happens um, after sex. The way that women plan for pregnancy is different, right? Men don't really kind of deal with the pre- preparation, do they, at all? But women think about, okay, I'm, I'm about to get married. I don't really want a child. So what, what do you get on? You take birth control? Do men even think about that? Did men go to their doctors and go, hey, I'm about to get married, but I don't really want children yet. What are my options? They don't do that, do they? Um, When we think about when, right? Men can have a child in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s, but not women. So even women have to think like, all right, when am I going to have children? How old can I be when I can no longer have children? Think of all the differences, when, even when you think about one topic. There's so much difference between men and women. And to make an argument that they're exactly the same and there's no difference isn't helpful at all, right? It's not realistic. It doesn't even match uh, reality in any way. And so what does it look like to express our God-given gender in the world at large? There's differences between men and women. Um, and how are we, how are those things, those differences, should they, how should they play out in the world or in the marketplace or in the workplace? Okay, we've talked about a lot about the home. We've talked about the church. And the Bible makes some clear distinctions of what men and women should do in the home and in the church. But do those things carry over into the marketplace, in the workplace, in the world? Are there things that women biblically are not allowed to do and men are allowed to do in the world? And that's what we're going to kind of talk more about. Um, so, again, equal in value, equal in essence, equal in worth, but different in roles and dispositions. So, When we think about other spheres, other than the church, other than the home, which a lot of times when we talk about manhood and womanhood, 
in the church, primarily we're talking about the home and we're talking about the church, right? But what is that? Is there anything that changes when we get outside those walls? The workplace, the military, our neighborhoods, our responsibilities as citizens. Um, so I do believe, though, that even though I, we, I can't give you a verse that says what jobs women should do and what jobs women shouldn't do. I can't give you a passage that says what jobs men should do and men shouldn't do. But we do have some biblical principles and some priorities and patterns that we can apply to some of these topics. And one of the things that we have to remember, just because there's not a, 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 even if there's not like a command or a law, it doesn't mean that the Bible doesn't present principles that provide us wisdom to use in certain situations. We think about men and women in the workplace. So let's kind of go back and we'll do a little bit of review and, uh, and then we'll get into some of the more, more specific details. But uh, going back to Genesis, uh, Genesis 1, um, created in equal terms of dignity and honor. Both are created in the image of God. We see in Genesis 2 and 3 that God's created them with, dis- that they're distinct from one another. In Genesis 2.15, God calls the man to work and protect the garden, to provide Genesis 2.18, God creates the wife or Eve to be a helper, to be his helper. We see that in Genesis 3.9, that Adam is held responsible for the sin in the garden. Even though Eve was deceived by the serpent, it's Adam who receives the responsibility for breaking the law. And we see that when we get into Romans chapter, chapter 5, where... Adam is seen as, as uh, compared to Christ. Christ was obedient to the law, but Adam was disobedient to the law. It doesn't say God, Christ was obedient to the law and Eve was disobedient to the law. Adam is the, is the, is the leader. He is the, he is the head, and he failed, and he is held responsible for his failure. In Genesis 3.20, Eve is called the mother of all the living. She is to cultivate Cultivate life in others for their spiritual good. We see that in Titus chapter 2, where old women are, uh, older women are to disciple and to teach and instruct younger women to cultivate life so that others will flourish. They have a disposition of relationship. So we see these dispositions, and we've talked a lot about this. And so we have to ask the question, even though primarily these dispositions, we talk about them in the context of the home in the context of the church, do those principles carry over even in the workplace and in the world? And again, it's not like a, a, a female decides, just kind of takes off those dispositions when she walks into the workplace, okay? God has designed women by his design for his glory and by his wisdom. He has given them these dispositions and they are to carry over into the workplace and into the world. So he, God chose to create men and women differently, okay? He chose to do this by his wisdom, by his, by his, um, his goodness, by his love, 
by his ideal, by his design, he has given men and women different dispositions, different roles, and they are to complement each other. So they complement each other in the home, they complement each other in the church, and they also complement each other outside those walls, even in the in the world, even in the marketplace, even in the workplace, even in society, even in neighborhoods. Um, how many of y'all live in a neighborhood that does like, I don't know, like block parties or picnics or type things like that? Okay. Which neighborhood, where do y'all live? We live in uh, Wellington Farms. Well, Farms. Well, we live close to y'all and we don't do any of that stuff. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it's interesting. My parents live in um, Lafayette Square in Rossville and they had like a big get together, right? And they invited us to come. See, I tell you what, we have to talk about that. But it was interesting. You could just observe a lot of the men were just kind of sitting around. And a lot of the women were the ones that were putting the food out on the table. Um, They had set up all this food. And you could tell, like, they're the gatherers of the people. We're not talking about the home. We're not talking about the church. We're talking about a neighborhood, right? And the women are the ones that are gathering the people and cultivating life so that people are flourishing, right? Um, and you can just see their disposition at play even, even outside those two major contexts that we typically talk about, manhood and womanhood. And so, again, like, when we also we think, all right, what, if, if men and women are different, if they have different roles, they have different strengths, different dispositions, their different biology. Um, you know, men are, are, are naturally stronger than women. Um, uh, men on average are 15 to 20% larger than women with more muscle mass and significantly greater physical strength. Now, there are women that are stronger than men, but normatively, typically, men are bigger, men are stronger than women. Uh, and so this does kind of affect even some job opportunities and job decisions that are made. Um, so you see even amongst, with these dispositions, how they reflect different job choices or even job opportunities. Um, what did you say, Dewey? Uh, well, I was just, when you were describing you know, what you do in a community and everything, it's Randy Pratt. I'm going to love you forever and ever. The old men are out. The women are talking about. The men are talking about the weather. Uh-huh. And the women are talking about old men. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, uh, typically, well, let's just this kind of be make some obvious. More men choose to work in uh, police department. Right? There's more men that work as. Uh, cops, again, there are women that work as cops, but there are more cops that are men than are women. Same with army and military. There are women that are in the military, but there's, it's typically been something that men choose to do. Again, police, military is a very protective role, right? We see this in Genesis 2. What jobs are women typically ones to, when we think about jobs that women do, what are the typical ones that women do? Okay. Yes. 
hospitals. Social work. Anything that's really Exactly. And again, men do these things too. There are men that are nurses. There are men that are teachers. There are men that uh, work as social workers. And so it's not like we're saying that men and women don't do some of these things, but just typically we see that men and women choose opportunities and jobs that actually fit God's design and God's disposition that he's given them, okay? And I think what ends up happening is, is that people make these lines go, oh, so you're saying that a woman can't be in the military. No, <laughs> the Bible doesn't say that. The church should not say that. But what we see is that by God's design, that's typically what you see is that you see men taking on roles of protector, um, provider. Uh, do you ever watch that, that show, Dirty Jobs? It was a great show. A lot of those dirty jobs, those are like men's jobs, right? Men, get, men don't mind getting dirty, right? And that's kind of what you see. I mean, there, again, there are women that do similar jobs, and there are women that are probably garbage women and, you know, do things with, with trash and nasty things. But typically, those are jobs that men typically do, right? They work these type of jobs. Um, and so you see this deposition being reflected in the world. Again, when we think about men, like, there are, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when you have men who are ones who like to, who teach children, right? And I'm not saying this, in today's age, it's become horribly, you know, there are men that have unfortunately uh, done some horrible things when it comes to children, right? But again, that's not the normative. And there are, there are men or, that, that actually become teachers, that become great teachers, and they love to instruct children. And they love to be ones who help children grow and progress, right? And that's not saying they're not a man, right? It's, it's not this idea that a man is one who has to be a hunter, own a truck. That's the definition of a true man, okay? Um, again, that's kind of culture and preferences defining what a man is, okay? But, but typically... What we do see is that men like to hunt, right? They like to be ones who go and kill the food and bring it home, right? We see this. And again, women can be hunters. There's nothing wrong with women being hunters, but the disposition is, is that men choose and enjoy going and killing something and bringing it home and, and cleaning it up, and, and then sometimes the woman is the one that cooks it, right? Um, and so you see this, but you also see that there are women who like trucks. There are women that like hunting. There are women that like sports. Uh, there's women that work in sports, right? There are women that work in construction, and they're very good at what they do. And that doesn't make them less of a woman. Like, you don't have to carry Martha Stewart's or Pioneer Woman's cookbook around to be like, oh, that, that's a woman, right? She likes to cook, and she likes to talk recipes, right? Um, but again, like the bigger issue when we think about men and women is are they living out these dispositions that are God designed? Even if a man is a teacher, is he still one that pursues protecting, providing, working? And even if a woman is like a construction worker or works for the police department or is in the military, is she one that has a gentle spirit? Is she one that cultivates life? Is she one that nourishes other people? Like, we can't, you can't reject 
those God-designed dispositions, regardless if you're one who are in jobs or industry that are mostly where masked men would do or women would do. Okay, We can't reject God's design for men and women. That has to be the constant as we think through what men and women do outside the home, outside the church, in the workplace, in the marketplaces, and in the world. Are there any questions on any of that? Any other questions? So really, when we think about what happens outside the home and the church, nothing, there's nothing that restricts a man and a woman from doing a certain job. There's nothing. There's no biblical restriction on a woman running for president, okay? We have a current woman running for the Republican nomination for president, Nikki Haley. She was the governor of South Carolina. She was the UN secretary under President Trump. That, there's no restrictions in the Bible for her doing those roles, right? And we'll talk a little bit more well, when a woman is in those roles, that they still should live out God's disposition or God's design for them to, to be a woman who then operates in that role. And we'll talk a little bit more about it. Are there any questions on any of that? Again, we're Americans. We're not against this. In other cultures, especially Middle Eastern culture or cultures that are far more, um, what, the right, what the proper term, if I use the word patriarchal, that kind of speaks to kind of the, the issues in our culture. But, um, but it, it, let's see cultures that are very more male dominant, okay? There, there are people that would say, no, 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 no. That, those are roles that women should never, never occupy. Those are roles are just for men. There's no biblical principle that I can give you that says that a woman can't run for president, right? Or be a CEO of a company or something like that. Yes. What'd you say? I was just picking out loud women pastors. Yes. Yes. We talked about that last week. Yeah. And that's why we're talking about like, we know that we know the home, the home, the husband is the head of the household and the wife is submit to the, to the leader of the home. Right, we see this in Ephesians chapter five. The husband is, is going to love his wife like Christ loved the church and gave his life up for her, and she is to submit to that leadership in the church. Right, women. We we talked about it last week. They can pray, they can prophesy, but they cannot operate in the role of elder pastor. But outside that context, is there anything in Scripture that restricts? women from being in certain roles. There isn't. There isn't. But how should women and men operate? How should they live, how should they um, live out um, their femininity and their masculinity in those roles that they occupy? Um, So again, we have to acknowledge, we have to embrace, we have to celebrate God's design. God designed that men would work, provide, protect. God designed that women would be helpers, uh, giver of life, nourisher, uh, those who nourish, those who, uh, who um, um, cultivate life. And that should continue, those, those dispositions should, can, should also continue even if you're in a role like you're the mayor of a city or you're the principal of a school or you're the CEO of a business or something like that. So God's creation is good. God's dispositions that he's given men and women are also 
good. So we want to make sure that we, that we hold those to be true, that we don't deny those things, right? And what's happened sometimes is that women have occupied roles that typically men have, have been in and have tried to operate in those roles as men. And I'm going to show some studies that those don't go well. But when women are in roles like in leadership, like in a company or in a school or over a government, when they operate as God designed them to operate, they actually help those industries, those institutions thrive. It's when they operate as another gender when things go awry and go badly. Um, So, again... The scriptures do not restrict leadership to men in other spheres of life, such as government or the, or the, work, or the workplace. Um, for me, I, I would vote for regardless of what gender. If, it's the, if, if, the, if a man or a woman, if they are the proper, if they're the right candidate, then they, they hold to the values that I hold to or the policies that I hold to. I have no problems voting for a man or a woman for an elected position. And there's no, there's no passage of scripture that should make you go, I don't know if I should vote for a woman. I just don't know. I just don't know if that's biblically right. Like, you're making that up. You're making that up. There are other reasons to vote for someone, right? Are they truthful? Are they a liar? Uh, do they have proper positions on the issues that, you, that matter to you, or do they not? Um, these type of things. So when we think about 1 Peter chapter 3, we see primarily... The, the trait of gentle and quiet spirit is in the context of marriage. But what Paul is saying is that this is a, a personality, this is a disposition that all women should have regardless if they are in a marriage or in the workplace. They should be one who is gentle and quiet spirit. There's an inner beauty of gentle and quiet spirit to all Christian women, women rather married or not. And the, the issue is, is how do you have a gentle and quiet spirit that ha, that's God-honoring when you are in a work environment that makes you want to not be gentle and quiet spirit? That's where the wisdom comes in. It's right, all right, I am, I am, it's okay for me to work in this particular place, but I still must be a a woman that understands that I am to be gentle and uh, quiet in my spirit. I had to have an inner, an inner beauty of gentle and quiet spirit. How do I operate with that disposition in the workplace? Um, and if you are a, if you're a man, we think about a man who is, um, we think of, of, of godly masculinity one who is a servant leader who, off, who gives himself up for others, who sacrifices himself for others, even if you're not married, these are the qualifications that all men should have, right? So it's not this idea that, oh, I'm not, I'm not married, so I can be self-centered or I can be selfish or prideful. That, oh, if I'm just oh, I'm married, then I have to like lay my life down for others I have to lay my life down for my wife and for my children. But since I'm single and a bachelor, I don't have to do that. No, what, what, what Paul is saying in, in Ephesians 5 is should be true to all men, not just those that are married, that they are servants, that they are willing to sacrifice for the good of others. This is godly masculinity. 
So when you're working in a workplace, or even if you're in a neighborhood, it is quite proper for you to do stuff for others, uh, to help others, to, to maybe you uh, help someone with their yard, or you help someone with a work project that they have, or you help someone move something into their home. These are the things you would do as a man in your home, right? As, as you would help move the stuff in, or you're the one that carries the heavy things inside the house, then it's good for you to also help your fellow neighbors in the same way, okay? This is what a godly man would do. So, um, again, these are the, and when we, so when we think about, who, how, many in here, in, how many women in here work outside the home? Where do y'all work? High school teacher. Hospital. Hospital. What do you do at a hospital? Nurse. You're a nurse? Tech. You're a tech. Where at? Um, where? Yeah. Ebiz Solutions. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone else? Other women? Can you work, do the work of a business, but you were doing it in an office inside your home? Okay. Did, what did you do before you did that? Did you work in a, in a, at a company? No, before I, I taught school for a little You taught school? Okay. But I, I mean, I worked, but I don't work. It was inside the house. It's inside the house. Okay. I worked at, a, I worked at L'Oreal for a while. Oh, did you? What was your position there? Um, I was in uh, credit analysis. Okay. And you worked with women and men? Yeah. Any, anybody in here as a, in a woman who's been in type of an executive position? Was that similar? Okay. How many women in here have had authority over men in the workplace? Yeah. Yeah. What'd you do, Mary? Okay. I didn't have many men. Sure. They were usually nice when I wasn't there, so I didn't have a lot of interaction. What? Let me ask you this, because what's the? Um, because I think the temptation for women in these roles is they have to operate in these roles like a man, right? Is that a temptation? Is that a pool? Like these are roles that men have typically filled. So for me to be successful in this role, I have to operate as a man. I think it depends on the woman. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in those roles, probably the mentoring too that, that we get in those roles. Um, at L'Oreal, you know, I had men and women that reported in and really good mentorship leaders in those roles. So, but I did have some women above me. Did you? I was telling my daughter there, and I was telling Lizzie the other day that uh, I found it harder to work with women in the corporate world than I found it to work with men. Why? For that reason, that some women, when they, and I don't want to make a generalization, but when you get into higher levels of executive offices in the corporate world, at least in my in my um, experience, the women were more difficult to work with. Um, almost in many ways, they were they were more authoritarian. Oh, uh, it's interesting. Than the men, um, more, yeah. You know, more kind of um, they were they were quicker to they were quicker to judge actions without thinking about repercussions and things like that. I think it was a competition. I came up, you know, during an era when women were really first starting to get into some of those roles, um, those higher executive roles in large corporations. 
And some of it was just proving that you were worthy. Yes. Compete, right. You know, at those levels, but I think in, in Which is a byproduct of bad culture. Yeah. In some yeah. ways, it took away some of the nurturing that we're used to seeing in women. Yes. Um, and it was, you know, it became easier. In some ways, it took away the nurturing. In other ways, it didn't because I found that the men, at least at a higher level, were more um, black and white. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, emotions were out of it. Right. So, you know, we didn't have to, I didn't have to deal as much with emotions. Because men are typically less relational. Yes. You know, which in higher positions in the corporate world, you don't really want a whole lot of emotions in the right. decisions. Right. You right. Know, when you're when you're dealing with problems. Right. Um, Hence why you you typically see more men in these. Now, again, it's, it's not a perfect, there are cultural issues that cause women not to be in executive positions, but... When we think about God's design, it's, it's, again, from those higher levels making these black and white decisions, men typically are easier making those decisions because they're less nurturing, less cultivating, and less relational. And even, you know, and don't take this wrong because she works with me, even from the school level as a principal, you know, it's easier for me to deal with Johnny in some ways when we work together than um, some of the women just because of that emotional piece. You know, I'm not as worried about I don't think he's going to walk away like, I've heard Right. No, but that's not that, you know, there, there was not, you know what I mean? Like, there wasn't a whole lot of that, and that might be my corporate background. Sure. You know, where I just was like, in many ways, it was more, it's more difficult because there's more emotions running through women. Um, and we, you know, at school, we tend to be more tied into, you know, the kids and, and the emotional aspect of that. Um, but even in the corporate world, yep. you know, I had more women breaking down in meetings, and crying, and <laughs> we're just like, we got to move forward and make decisions <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Um, and that becomes very difficult. Not always. I mean, you yep. know, it's not always that way. And, and there were men that I ran into in the corporate world that were not great, you know, but... Um, but by and large, it was easier to work with them. And, hold on, just do it. But you know, it gets into the question of what jobs should men and women pursue? And there's the question is, are there jobs that women shouldn't pursue because if they were to occupy that role, they would not be able to live out the dispositions that God has given them? And that's the, kind of the question of where wisdom comes in. The Bible is not saying that a woman should never run for public office. The question that the woman has to ask is, am I able to, to, to glorify the Lord and live out and be a woman? And it's okay, I'm a, I can be a woman who is a nurturer, who cultivates life, who's relational. I don't have to be a man to operate that role. Same for men as well. Uh, James Dobson, back in the 80s, wrote a book, uh, I think the and trust. Uh huh. And had a chapter in there the difference between uh, the the brain of a man and the brain of a woman. And uh, I, I forget exactly how the thing went, but um, in a man, uh, the emotions and the activities or actions that they take are separated. If you look down the center of your brain. On one side of your brain, it's action, the other side's emotion. But in a woman, those, there's no there's no barrier between. 
Okay. So when you make when a woman makes a decision, <coughs> emotions are always going to get into the into the problem. Hmm. So it's sometimes. Like I was just thinking, <laughs> with her, you know, she's run a business before, they run a business together. I don't have to have the same kind of concern, like the same kind of. I don't have to think through it as much, you know, because I know that she's pretty business oriented. You know, there's there's some some experience plays into that too. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, that that plays into how you relate in the workplace. Experience, age, you know, all those things can play into that as well. Right. And again, God has given given men and women their dispositions. He's designed them out of his wisdom and his goodness and for his purposes. And then you see, again, women will, will take on roles and responsibilities outside the home or outside the church that fit those dispositions almost perfectly. And women thrive in those situations and do far better than men do, typically. And then vice versa. Um, but the question is, is that, again, women then operate roles like CEOs or politicians or other roles that men have typically filled. But the question is not to be a man, try to be a man in those roles, but actually to, to operate as God has designed in those roles. Um, and there are some questions we have to ask that are non-negotiables when we ask questions like, what jobs or what opportunities should I take on as a man or a woman? And again, there's no law that says I can't, there's no Bible verse that says that women can't work outside the home, right? So Again, you have to remove that, but then you have to use wisdom and how the decisions you make as a family, right, or as an individual. So, what are some non-negotiables that you have? You can't. You can't reject these. Um, you can't run away from these. These are roles that God has given. Um, I think for and these are both for men and women. Let me start with women, though. Um, a woman, regardless of what decisions she makes about work outside the home, she can't neglect the role of nurturer. She can't reject the role of nurturer. Um, again, this is really kind of speaks into the, the context of a family, right? So if you have children and you, you are a woman, you can't like go, well, I'm just going to be this career woman and I'm going to neglect being a mother, Right? That would be a that would be that's a non-negotiable, okay? That's a hence hence some of the issues with pay inequality, okay? This is actually a fact. The reason why some women do not get paid in the name of some men is because of motherhood, right? When you're raising children, typically you don't pursue advancements, promotions, particularly, right? Sometimes because of that disposition of a nurturer, you care so much about raising your children as a mom, you're not like basically putting them in childcare all week and you're working 80, 90 hours a week, right? Women make these decisions. Why? Because they're mothers and they are nurturing their children. So sometimes they don't like, especially nurses and medical workers, they don't work like five straight overtime, 12 hours if they have young children, right? They make these decisions not, not because they're like, oh, I got to be a mom. No, they make these decisions because God has designed them to be a nurturer. So they make these decisions because that's what they desire to do. 
as mothers. Now, they still work outside the home. They still are teachers or nurses, but they make changes to their career pursuits because of their desire to nurture and be a mom. And that is actually fulfilling God's design. That's fulfilling God's design. Hence why some of the pay inequality in the United States. Now, that's not all the reasons, but that is some of the reasons because of motherhood. Okay? But we have to... That, that doesn't give men the right to be, well, I'm not a mother and I don't have the disposition to be a nurturer. However, so I'll work 90 hours a week. Or I'll work, you know, nonstop. I'll bring home the bacon. That's also neglecting and rejecting some non-negotiable. What's the one that they're neg- neglecting? What are the ones they're rejecting? Of, the God, of God's design for men, why can't a man just work as much as they want? You do have a wife, Finchit. What, what else? I mean, God has called you to be a provider and a protector. How can you be a spiritual provider or a protector of your home if you're never there? If you're never there. So you can't neglect, even if the woman is God's designed to be a nurturer, so she's going to spend more time at home with the kids. Doesn't mean a husband can never come home. Why? Well, he's the worker. He provides, he provides all the money. No, 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 that's rejecting also the non-negotiable. So we have to remember that, that there are responsibilities and those dispositions that God has created are required in the home. They're required in the home. Uh, so we have to think about that. Like When we make decisions about what we're going to do outside the home for work and you know, career, uh, are we going to, you know, go get a, a doctorate, right, John Andrew? Like, am I going to decide to get a PhD? It's not like the man's like, well, I don't have to raise children. What do I need to do? I might as well get my PhD. I'll probably make more money, right? I'll be more, I'll, have, I'll be more qualified. My resume will be better. You, what you're doing is, is you're rejecting that the importance of being in the home. Now, you make these decisions. You make these decisions as a family. The wife helps in these decisions, but you use wisdom when you make these decisions, right? Knowing that you have non-negotiables that you can't run away from, right? The same with a wife. If a wife decides she's a, you know, she's a, um, a whatever, she's a nurse, but she wants to be a nurse practitioner, right? Have you thought about being a nurse practitioner? Because if you wanted to be a nurse practitioner, what would you have to go do? You have to go back to school and you have young, you have young children, Right, And so it's not an easy thing like, well, I'll just be a nurse practitioner. Now, biblically, she can do that. There's no rejection. There's no principle that says she can't. But she has to use wisdom. Her and her husband have to use wisdom in making these decisions about, hey, we are parents, right? We do need to parent our children. We need to nurture and care for them and help them flourish. We can't neglect that. I was created to be one by God who is a nurturer and one who cultivates the life of our children. I can't neglect that. However, maybe I can do this. You know, this would be a busy season of our life. And God has given you the, the, the freedom or the feeling, hey, I can, you know, we can do this. 
my husband can stay at home more and he can help as I pursue this, and you make these decisions together, right? Yes, sir. Well, you run to the biggest problem we have in our society today is a single parent, and that's the woman. Right. There is no man. Right. So that makes life even more complicated. It makes it very complicated. That's right. Yeah, it very much does. Um, and you have, a, you have a woman that's now put in a role where she has to be not only the nurturer, but she has to also be the provider, right? And the protector. And that's a, a difficult job. And same if there was a single dad. He has to be now not only the provider and the protector, but also the nurturer, right? And so, yes. For whenever you said a man cannot work all the time and neglect his uh, role as a protector and the provider, is there a, I don't want to call it a loophole, but unfortunately I have no better word for it, uh, for like a seasonal thing? Yeah, I think so. But I think you have to, um, there's a good book um, called Gospel at Work by, oh, what's his name? Greg Gilbert. And uh, that's a great question, because this is the part of the wisdom thing. There's not, there's not a verse that says, all right, give um, 25 of your hours to your family, and then give 20, 40 hours to your work, and then give uh, 10 hours to your church. Like, it doesn't give you that verse. So it, it, it all comes from wisdom, right? Um, so Gilbert gives you these, these boxes. And uh, I'll let you all try to guess what they are. Box number one would be? Think of, think, think of these as um, context of your life. Family. Family. Or the home, whatever. That would be for one. Okay. Work. That would be two. Yeah. Three. Huh? Church. Yep. Thank you. I want to see if I'll get four. Okay. What I call that is miscellaneous. Okay. Miscellaneous. So you only have so many hours of your week, okay? However, all three of these boxes require your time, okay? You can't neglect this. You can't neglect this. You can't neglect this. If you were to neglect this, this, or this, you would be a human being that is irresponsible, (laughs) right? If you were to say, I'm not going to go to work. I don't care anymore. That is actually against the Bible, if you were to say to your family, you know what, I'm done with you, I'm tired of you, I need a long vacation from you, right? Can't do that either. Can't say to the church, you know what, I'm done, I just can't do this anymore, and I'll just come whenever I want. Can't do that either, it's against God's word. So you have to give your time and effort to these areas. When you get to the miscellaneous box, it's that extra time that you can choose to drop Potentially, maybe in one of these three boxes, a little bit more time. So, for example, I'm just going to use John Andrew for, he's getting a PhD. Before you were getting your PhD, did you spend less time at work? Did I include that as work? You did. When you started reading more books, meaning like when you think about work is, you're doing your PhD to improve this, right? Or you wouldn't be doing it. You're not just doing it out of your free time. You're doing it for this purpose, right? So in, in some ways, it's further education for the sake of resume, promotion, further knowledge. So what you've done is you've taken some of this and you've dropped it more in here, but you can't neglect this and you can't neglect that, okay? 
You can choose. So if you're a, if you're a man in here and you choose to be, hey, you know what? I was nominated as an elder. Who in here has been an elder here? No one? Who in knows been an elder? It takes a lot of time, right? It takes a lot of time. So again, you're using some more time here that you're taking away from this miscellaneous box, potentially. Yeah? Well, that's kind of a given. Depending on, but again, it goes back to, we'll go back to John Andrew. Uh, less sleep at this time of your, your life because of the PhD, right? Uh, when you're not having, you're not have little, when you don't have little kids, right, which takes up a lot of your family time, you get a little more sleep, right? Um, but this is a good way, like, you can't neglect these three boxes. What happens is when people fall into sin, they put too much of their hours here, and they take away from here, right? Or they, they spent actually COVID, COVID time, even past COVID, people spent more hours here, and then they totally neglected this, right? You go, oh, it's family. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, you're neglecting this, so that is wrong. It is wrong. Um, when you talk about miscellaneous, if you're talking about like hobbies, right? If you spend too much time with your hobbies and you're neglecting one of these three things, that's actually also irresponsible and actually against God's word. Again, but it's wisdom on what you do with these boxes. It's all wisdom. There's no Bible verse that tells you. You just know you can't neglect it. But you have to have use your wisdom on how, what you do. So as a man or a woman, you have to use wisdom. You have to use wisdom. And men and women are going to look at these issues a little different. Women are going to typically spend more time and more focus here. Men typically are going to spend more time focused here. But if you can't, you know, if, if a woman decides to spend more time at work, she can't neglect nurturing. She can't neglect flir- help cultivating flourishing of her family. But all, it's, it's all wisdom. It's all wisdom. And praying for one another and getting advice. You know, I would, when I was interacting with college students or even young adults, they would, always were asking about these type of questions, like what's God's will and what, what decisions I make? And again, it goes down to asking people, asking their advice, um, asking what, hey, you know, how many hours should I be spending at work? Am I spending too much time at work? Am I neglecting my family? Am I neglecting providing for them and helping them? Am I neglecting the church altogether? I spend very little time at the church. I spend a lot of time at work. Is that wrong? Yeah, you should be involved in the church. You should be involved in discipleship and growth. You should be serving in the church in some way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, so wisdom is really a big part of this. And one of obviously we pray for wisdom. We always ask for wisdom. We get advice from others on wisdom. Somebody open up Proverbs 31. Let's look at this. We've got 15 more minutes. Um, I would say, I I think the reason why this topic is, you may be kind of like, why are we even talking about this? Um, Because I do think, um, I think in the church culture in particular, I think women have been given this, maybe this view or this, this pressure that working outside the home, they should feel guilty about. They should feel guilty that they work outside the home. They should be, you know, fully focused on the family, fully focused on the children. 
again, there's no verse that says they should feel guilty about that. It all goes down to wisdom. And so we should not think ill will towards a family if the husband and the wife work outside the home. It's like society anymore like respects a woman staying at home as actually being work. Yes. And especially outside the church culture, that would be definitely true, right? That it's like, what? You work at home? Like, what about money? Do you not make your own money? Like, what are you doing? Like, well, also that it's like, it's not hard, you know. Like, I mean, I just oh yeah, very much. The weekends while she's at work, and it's like it's horrible. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that in front of her, but you know, it's like it's not easy. It's at not easy at all. Just go out and play in the street. But yeah. For someone to be able to do that, you know, it's their only job. Like, I, I don't know how to steal that. Yes. <laughs> I just feel that in the past, it was like, oh, <laughs> that is like a respected job. Like, kind of like, you know, maybe the police used to be back in the Yeah. Room. And now it's just kind of like our entire culture is like, work is a religion of our culture. Yeah, and there are some women, especially, that feel like if they were at home with the kids, they, feel, they felt like they weren't providing anything, right? And as if, and I think this gets into this, like my mother-in-law would always feel that she, like, oh, my husband makes the money. I'm not providing anything. Like she had this inner guilt, like this inner guilt. But like Lisa, my wife is like, well, no, you stayed at home with us so that our dad could work and provide. So you were a part of his work. Like you were a, a helper in his work. Like, I don't think some people think of it that way, right? They, they think, well, he makes the money and I didn't make any money. So what am I doing to help? Well, yeah, it's just kind of a, it's, it's, you know, there's, a, there's a view, unfortunately, that money associates worth, right? If I make money, that determines my worth to the, to the group. If I don't have anything to offer or to provide, then I don't have any worth. And that's an unfortunate thing, right? Working, like being a stay-at-home mom is work. It requires organization, Right? It requires thoughts. It requires strategy. It requires a lot of energy and a lot of mental power. And, and so it's not like you're just sitting around doing nothing, right? You would not be actually a very good stay-at-home mom if that's what you were doing, right? You would be failing at the role that the family needs you to, to offer, right? And I think in so many ways, too, some of the struggles with women today my house included hadn't worked, you know, from a young age. Um, I came home with our girls when Lizzie was five. We decided just to take a hit on money, you know, and I'm like, we're coming, coming home. Yeah. Like, I just need to be on with them. Um, but we still tend to be the nurturers. We still tend to be the ones that take care of the home, take care of the needs of the kids. The husbands help as much as they can, but that, that nurturing, taking care of the kids, covered all the responsibilities that go with taking care of the kids in the household. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, and we end up, at least for myself, when I was working outside of the house, I always felt like I was working two to three jobs. Yeah. You know, so I get home, and I'm exhausted. Right. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to come home was I'd snap yeah. my girls. Yeah. You know, when, when I was home because I'm exhausted. Right. I'm working a full-time job. I'm coming home, and I'm working, like, a right. full-time job at home. Right. To provide, you know, for everything that they need. Steve and I finally got to the point where I was just like, oh, we can't. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I can't do this. And 
one of us has to be home with these kids. For their sake. Yes. For their for their nurturing. Yes. And for our marriage. That's right. That yeah. Was, yeah. For, frankly, that was probably one of our biggest arguments, continuing arguments throughout the young period in our marriage was just the household duties and trying to divide things up, you know. Right. You're not doing enough, you know, or you're not doing enough and getting mad at each other because things were just undone. Right. You know, and it led to a lot of fights and arguments between the two of us until we finally were just like, okay, something. And it's like there's too many hours here and there's just not enough hours here. And the wisdom says, let's take some out of here and put it in there. And for the sake of the whole family, right? And it takes, again, it's wisdom. It's God's guidance to the Spirit saying, Lisa, why don't you, why don't you, why don't you spend more time at home, you know? Um, yes, sir? When I quit work, I, and which I quit as soon as I could, because as soon as we had enough money for us to live on, Shane was in med school. And that's what, the only reason I was working. And I got out as quick as I could, because I knew if I made a place at home that he'd want to come home to, because that's where he got his rest, especially when he was on 24 hours of duty. Yeah, sure. And his night was not his own, even if he was at home. Right. But, I mean, I stayed home. I wanted to be there. Right, right. Uh, I didn't work because I wanted to. Right. And it, it, this is making me feel like we definitely had the best setup. Bill owns his own business. I worked with him. I told him that the kids need to be He's like spoiled. So if I have a field trip, I'm off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. If something came up and I needed to do it, you know, especially with the children, I would just say, yeah. Put me in the office, the answer machine will take care of Yeah, yeah. So, thank yep. you for all of this. And again, you shouldn't feel guilty if you're a woman here and you work outside your home, you know, and this is, again, the wisdom that you have used as a family to make that decision, right? Um, sometimes you have no choice. Sometimes, exactly. Sometimes it's... I wish I didn't have to work. But that's, but that's you know, not the reality. But you know what? That reality may change. God may provide... The funds and the and the things where you can stay at home with your kids if that's what you desire to do and you're able to do and you shouldn't feel guilty or wrong for making that decision right and I, again that's kind of again the major point of there's no there's no Bible verse saying that she has to stay or she has to work or she shouldn't work it's all wisdom you know it's all wisdom by the Lord um, and we see in the um, Proverbs chapter thirty one we've got a few more minutes we see in verse fifteen. Um, that she, she rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household. So you see her desire to help the family, um, to focus on nourishing the family. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hand. She plants a vineyard. So again, she's outside the home. She is involved. She's in development. Um, Verse 18, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. She's running a business, right? She's operating. She's in the workplace. She's in the marketplace. Verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her husband. Her children raise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and, she, and he praises her. So again, I... I right, so she didn't neglect this. Yeah, she didn't neglect. She was a nurturer. 
Now, again, I think there's a sense where it's okay for, it's becoming common now for, for women to have like small businesses, right? To start small businesses that they have, have a, something that they have a passion for. But there's no verse to say that she can't do that, you know? And husbands should support her and, and help her endeavors um, the way that, that he can. Days, though, that a lot of the families live together, so your household may include the mother and aunt and other women sure. who were helping with the children, and you can even take the children out to the field with you. And it's just a different type of family situation Outside the home, it's okay to want to come up with an idea and and get investors and sell it. It's like none of these things are wrong. They're okay. They're good. Just remember the disposition that God has created you to, to be and not to neglect uh, nourishment and cultivating uh, your family, um, embracing and upholding uh, God-given masculinity or femininity, Um and um, and and to be one who again flir- help others flourish and creates to cultivate life, um, and you know it's going to happen more and more, and uh, you're going to see more and more women take on executive roles. Uh, role, I, eventually there will be a woman president of the United States. Uh, there has been women prime ministers of England. Um, there has been uh, there right now. There's a prime minister of Italy as a woman. Um, there's been prime ministers in Australia that have been women. There's been prime ministers in Sweden that have been women. Uh, most of the European countries have had women prime ministers. Um, we have a woman vice president right now. We've had a majority leader that was a woman, right? Argentina, yeah. Um, Brazil, uh, a lot of South American countries. Um, it, Israel, that's right. Thank you, yeah. So again, this is this is it's been it's happened in the it's happened in the recent history. It will happen more. And the you know again, this is something where when women have those roles, I think it'll be interesting. I think there should be an expectation that women will operate those roles as women. <laughs> so if we were to have a woman president, it would be probably God honoring if she operated in that role like a woman, right? who is actually more relational with the citizens, not as much black and white, uh, look to be more of a, a nurturer and a cultivator. In some ways, that's good, but it will. there are some negatives to that, in, maybe in a role like that, but there are negatives to men in those roles, right? And so it'll, if, if, if Nikki Haley was to be the president of the United States, the hope is that she would operate that role as a, as a woman, as God has designed her to be. And working out that disp- with, with those female, godly uh, female disposition. And not to operate in that role as a man. Um, and there's been some studies that, uh, this will be the last thing I say. There's been some studies um, that when, this is from a Northwestern University. They found that when women were in leadership roles, when they operated in those roles with cultural masculine behavior, they were less efficient in their leadership. Other studies shown that when women naturally exhibited several feminine features where they exercised authority on the job, one article summed up this way, women employed a more 
participative, participative leadership style, are more likely to share information and power, have strong relational skills that make them seem empathetic to their staff. They use, in some ways, they are cultivating life and helping others flourish. They are actually better leaders on the job. Meaning that when women operate in leadership roles as women, they actually are better in those roles. When they operate those roles like men, they are not as good as a leader. And it's actually true. In the Middle East, there's been women that have been prime ministers, and they end up having like corruption problems because they try to they try to operate in those roles like a man, and it doesn't. They're not any different, right? And they have issues with corruption and and leadership problems. So again, as we as women fill roles in the workplace and they fill roles in the world, they take on leadership roles when they lead other men, right? And some of you in this room, you may have opportunities where you lead other men in the workplace. My encouragement to you and the Bible's encouragement to you is to operate in those roles as a woman, right? <laughs> and encouraging men to, and that even you're above, to, to be ones who are, who are providers, ones who are initiators, um, and it helps them actually fill the roles that God has created them to be. Uh, Are there any uh, questions, anything that you'd like to to ask? Anything you'd like to ask? All right. Any comments? Any comments before we leave? Yes, ma'am. My only comment was in the news yesterday, there was a woman basketball coach that was coaching the game in her ninth month of pregnancy, and I think. Did anybody else see that? I did not see that. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> and again, the difference between men and women, like eventually she's going to have to give that baby, right? <laughs> and she's not going to be able to coach on the sidelines, unlike a man, right? Uh, yes, sir. Start on news about that. But last night or Sunday night, there was a man and a woman and a child in downtown Memphis walking. Oh, yeah. they, they were from Russia or somewhere, and he was to be a scientist at St. Jude. They were just out walking, probably you know where they were. And there was a robber came up, and the robber put the gun to the lady, and the man stepped in front, and he died saving his life. His wow. Well, thanks for sharing that. It's a great example of what men were created to do. Yep. Yep. That's very good. Yeah. Sad that he that he died. Very sad. Very sad. On a lighter note. Yes. Who read that? Who read that? Women live in the United States live six years longer than men. Yes. <laughs> Just That's right. Well, not lighter, but that's not you. <laughs> <laughs> any other, any, anything else? All right. Yes, yes. Quick note is working for the FBI like I did for 33 years, you know, I saw the agents where we have the female agents, the yeah. agents. They operated totally different most of the time. Uh-huh. Ones who tried to simulate into a male model yeah. were pretty much colossal failures. Yeah, interesting. Um, what was interesting is when we would set up for an operation or whatever, the women's input was stuff that men wouldn't have even thought of. Correct, yeah. yeah. And it made a total difference. Oh, yeah. Because I had leaders that were 
female. One tried to take it on as she was the macho yep. guy running the office. She was a failure. Yeah. The other one came in. She advanced up to the executive assistant director position and flourished because she took on the role and nurtured the office and the people in the office and guided in that way. Total different leadership. Yeah. One failed, the yeah. other one flourished. times where it flourishes, you, I mean, God is honored in that because that's, that's the disposition he's designed. And even then, I was at ground zero for about four weeks. Um, the roles that were portrayed in there, yeah, the women were going in to the rubble and digging around and stuff, but it was different. Yeah. The guys would get in there and get grungy, and it didn't really affect them as much. Right. I mean, you can only deal with that kind of stuff for so long before it does affect everybody. Yeah. But the women filled in in different roles. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, yeah. it all worked together. Yeah. In a very, it, without the input from that, yeah. things could have totally different outcomes on a lot yeah. And the thing is, be, being able to say that and saying amen to that is good. It, the problem is outside these walls in the world, they're like, oh, how dare you? How dare you? The problem is, is like, he just stated a reality. <laughs> it's all you did. And what that reality is reflecting is God's design. But it doesn't diminish what the women It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't diminish. Guys wouldn't have Correct. 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 They typically would put the children ahead of on these operations. Of hey, did anybody think of what are we going to do with these kids once we go in? Interesting. You know, when we would go in and hit some of the drug houses and stuff, what are you going to do with the kids? Interesting. Guys generally wouldn't think anything about it. Isn't that interesting? And that the women were the ones, hey, we need to have a plan in place. We yep. need to have children's services here. We need to That's interesting. And again, if, if, if the woman was the one that was ahead or the authority over this situation, it doesn't change the, the input that the men and the women give into a situation, right? There's still, yeah. And so I think the importance of when you have an issue or you have a task or you have an agenda, regardless who's in, who's in charge, it's important that Men, God has done men to be a certain way, and God has done women to be a certain way. And when they work together, things flourish. Things happen that are good. When one tries to be the other, that's when it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. In the home, in the church, outside the home in the church, they complement each other. And the, the more and more that, that happens, the more and more God is honored. And there's an acknowledgement that God is the one that has given this design and this is proper and it's good. It's good. It's not, ah, I hate this happens to be true. I wish we all just were exactly the same. But that's just not the truth. Like, you're, you, it's just not true. It's not reality. You just look at the world and say, what does it reflect? That's what it reflects, right? And so, yes, ma'am. I wanted to add all to what Ann said. Uh, basically, it's about talking about cultural change. Since World War II, <coughs> our country had no men in the war. They all went to war. That's right. The women went to work. Even played baseball. Even played baseball. Better up. Culturally, we may change since COVID. 
and people are working from home, and who knows what's going to happen. But it was a cultural change in World War II, and maybe we're still just coming out of another cultural change. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Well, let me pray for y'all. I have to let you go. Let me pray for you. Dear Lord, I thank you for our conversation and discussion, Lord. We thank you, Lord, again, for just the reminder that you have created us, Lord. We are, we are equal, Lord. Uh, men and women, you have created us equal. We have the same uh, value to you, the same uh, worth to you, Lord. We are created in your image. You have saved us through Christ Jesus. You have indwelt us with your Holy Spirit. You've gifted us. You've given us spiritual gifts. Um, and Lord, you've brought us into the church. Um, and Lord, you're using us in your kingdom. We're instruments in your hands, Lord, and we praise you for that. Uh, but Lord, you did create us with different dispositions, different roles, different strengths, Lord. And Lord, we just want to acknowledge that, that is by your wisdom and your, and your design. And we praise you for that. We want to honor you with that and, glorify, and just, you know, just worship you for your, your goodness and your wisdom and your purposes, Lord. Um, and Lord, we just want to live those out. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to do that. You give us wisdom to do that, Lord. That as men, that we would be uh, protectors and providers and we would be ones who initiate and, and look to care and look to protect and look to sacrifice and lay our lives down for the sake of the other and to put ourselves in front of the bullet when need be or Lord, whatever you call us to do, Lord, that we would be quick to, to, to act and quick to protect, quick to provide, quick to lift. Uh, Lord, quick to open a door, whatever, Lord, you called us to do. Give us eyes to see those opportunities and in the home, in the church, and outside the home, in the church, Lord. We pray for, our, for, for women as well, Lord, that you've created them to be nurturers. you created them to cultivate life and to help others flourish. And Lord, we pray that you would help them to do that, Lord. Uh, Lord, help them to, to see that, that that is God-honoring and that is good and it is praiseworthy, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you would... Um, Give them wisdom as they make decisions about where to serve, where to work, to work outside the home or stay in the home. Whatever you call them to do, Lord, that you would give them wisdom and that as family, as units, Lord, that they would make those decisions, uh, Lord, with, uh, in, in the spirit and uh, prayer from the vice of, of wise uh, people that, are, that love them and care for them, Lord. So we just want to thank you for everything you've provided. Lord, help us, Lord. Uh, to live out our roles um, and uh, to do it well and to, to be uh, accepting of them as well and not neglect the, 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 the things that you've called us to be and the responsibilities you've given us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And Lord, we pray that as we, uh, next week as we travel and go uh, to families' homes for Thanksgiving, Lord, we pray for safe travels and pray for just wonderful time with family and bring us back uh, next uh, two weeks from now, Lord, as we gather and talk more about uh, manhood and womanhood, and we talk about transgenderism, Lord, it's going on in our culture, and how to understand gender confusion, and maybe some are teachers and have students in their in their classes who think that they're um, a a woman stuck in a male body or a a man stuck in a woman's body, Lord, and they just confused. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would help us to think well on that, and we pray for that class as well. We love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to Lesson 12 of Biblical Manhood and Womanhood in the World in the Church and Politics class. If you're interested in more information about Central Church, you can check us out at centralchurch.com and learn more about our ministries and our classes. And we hope to see you back.